Okay, so we are starting a new series today called Restart. Stupid thing. I hate this thing. Restart, okay? And uh, as we shared last week, um, you know, there are three stages of a crisis, right? There is a pre-crisis um, when there are like murmurings and warnings and um, predictions of a crisis that's about to happen. And then there's the actual crisis itself, which is the second stage. And this is what's called acute crisis. It's active and it's rampant and it's uh, very, very much a crisis stage. And then there's the third stage, which is a cleanup stage where you're kind of coming out from our shelters, our little bubbles, um, and looking at the rubble, looking at the mess and trying to put these broken pieces back together. And then there's post-crisis where you live with, uh, move on with your life after all of that has been dealt with. And we are kind of between stage two and stage three, which we are just starting off in the cleanup uh, stage of crisis where we're looking at the mess and we're looking at all the broken pieces and trying to repair and put our lives back together. And we are not in the clear yet, okay? So uh, that line between stage two and stage three is very blurry. So while we, it might not be an active and acute crisis right now, we are still what it feels like um, in this kind of brokenness of our world and maybe even some of our lives. And in many ways, it feels like we are restarting, restarting. Um, so before I go any further, I wanted us to share with each other um, what it feels like we are restarting in our lives, okay? What it feels like we are restarting in our lives. And so in the back of your bulletins, there's this discussion question that says, what are you restarting or had to restart recently? So turn to someone next to you, someone you did not come here with, okay? And ask each other, what are you restarting or had to restart recently? And we'll talk about that for like three to five minutes. All right, so do we have any brave souls who are willing to share what you talked about? What have, what are you restarting or had to restart recently? Yeah. Hmm? Does anyone, anyone brave want to share? It's okay if it's too personal. Once, twice. Okay, that's okay. As long as, oh yeah, Selvin, you want to share? Okay, great. Oh, okay. Thank you for admitting that. Yeah, it is hard. Yeah, yeah once you haven't gone in a long time, it's really hard to, kind of takes a lot of energy. Like, yeah, totally. That's a good one. Anyone else? Well, I shared with you all last week already but I'm restarting. So that's been kind of hard, kind of learning to be single again. That's really strange for me, but that's, yeah. 
So that's part of the reason why we're doing this series because that's a lot on my mind. And one of the reasons why I thought of this word in particular is was because um, I was actually having some computer problems a few days ago. And um, I have this friend who uh, is an IT guy and um, I always text or call him whenever I'm having computer problems. And I, so I texted him, I was like, Robin, Robin, my computer's frozen, what should I do? And one of the first things he always tells me is restart your computer, right? And he gets so mad at me when I text him before I even try that, right? Um, and so, you know, nine times out of 10, uh, that usually fixes the problem. Now, uh, when we turn off and restart a computer, it kind of like resets the system, right? And it might clean out any bugs or any problems, or if there's any like application that's frozen, it'll uh, reboot it and it'll get running again. And so it does fix a lot of the problems when we turn off and turn on again, or like restart a computer or a phone or some sort of electronic device. However, it doesn't fix everything, right? If my computer had a virus, it's not like if I restart a computer, it's gonna get rid of the virus, right? Uh, it, my computer might be really, really messy and have all these documents and like apps that are unnecessary or cluttered. All of that stuff will still be in my computer, right? So while restarting, a system might fix a lot of the problems. It doesn't fix everything. And a lot of the problems that were in my device before I restarted are still there. Fortunately, some, uh, restarting it will fix some of the issues, but not everything. Over the course of the last two plus years, it feels like the entire world just shut down, right? Like if there was a big power button on the world, someone pressed it <laughs> and it just was like shut off for like two years. And then now it feels like we're restarting. Like someone pressed it and it's booting back up. And some of the issues that existed before are gone, but most of the issues are still there. And a lot of things that we were so used to before are completely different. And the world we're living in now is totally different than the world we we're living in before this restart. Now, is restarting the world gonna fix everything? Uh, absolutely not. But it does give us an opportunity to reevaluate and observe and even deconstruct some of the issues that existed our entire lives that have probably gone unexamined before. Um, if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to John chapter 21, verses 1 through 14? John 21, verses 1 through 14. And I'm also going to put it up on here. Um, that's a typo. It's not Luke. It's John. Okay. But the verses are correct. John 21, verses 1 through 14. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, 
the two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat, dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus, Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Um, let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for allowing us to have this opportunity to gather again after Easter Sunday. Today, you are challenging each and every one of us, even myself, to examine our lives and to really ask ourselves, what is God inviting me to restart? What is God inviting me to restart? There are many things in our lives that have completely shut down and now we are rebooting our internal systems, maybe our mental, physical, spiritual systems. And this is an invitation you are giving us to restart again. Help us to have ears that hear, eyes to see, and a heart to receive the word you have for us. In your name we pray, amen. All right, so we are starting this series today called Restart. Go back. And we are looking at various stories, passages, and teachings that explore this theme of restarting. And part of the reason why we're starting this series today is because of Easter last week. As we shared last week, Easter uh, was merely the beginning of what Jesus wanted to do here on earth. It wasn't the end, it was merely the beginning. And it, contrary to what a lot of people believe, okay, Jesus's resurrection was not welcomed with like hordes and hordes of thousands of people, okay? It started with a small group of women. And those women were the first ones to share about Jesus's resurrection 
to other people. And those first group of people that they shared it with were the disciples. And then the disciples, uh, you know, after they encountered Jesus and like saw and met and interacted with the resurrected Jesus, word got out and soon some of his other followers started to come and meet this resurrected Lord. And it wasn't uh, all these people right away. It was over the course of 40 days, uh, 500 people, 500 eyewitnesses interacted with Jesus. It wasn't thousands, okay? It was hundreds. And the reason for that is because Jesus's resurrection was for his followers. It wasn't for, for the crowds. So in today's passage, we see a scene where Jesus's disciples are fishing at the Sea of Galilee. And this will be the third time that they interact with the resurrected Jesus. And this is precisely the place where Jesus called his very first disciples to follow him. And those people were Andrew, uh, his brother, Simon Peter, James, this, uh, one of the sons of Zebedee, and John, his brother. Many of the disciples' occupation prior to following Jesus and becoming his disciples was actually being fishermen. And they've been doing it for many years. And back then in the first century, they didn't have like schools like we have today, right? And so if your father was a fisherman, then most likely you're going to be a fisherman, right? If your father was a tanner, meaning like someone who worked with leather, then most likely you're going to be a tanner, right? If your father made tents, then you're going to make tents. So being a fisherman was a generational occupation, right? And so these guys knew what it meant to be good fishermen, right? They, they, they've learned it since they were little, little boys, since they were little kids, okay? Probably as soon as they learned how to walk, their dads brought them with them on their boat and like taught them how to fish. So this is not something that is like a casual hobby for them to do. This is like uh, their livelihood and they knew exactly what it meant to be fishermen. Now, what's really interesting about this, okay? Uh, just, and the, the reason why this is happening at the Sea of Galilee is so fascinating because when Jesus first called his disciples in the beginning of the Gospel of John to follow them, follow him, it was like such an honor to be invited to be disciples of a rabbi. If you're a Jewish man, if you're a young Jewish man, and a prominent rabbi invites you to follow him, you leave everything behind. You leave your occupation, you leave your parents, you leave your home, and you follow this rabbi wherever he goes. And that's exactly what Andrew, uh, Peter, James, and John did. When Jesus invited them to uh, be his disciples, they literally left their, they dropped their nets, they left their boats and followed him. And yet, after Jesus resurrected from the dead, okay, this is the third time that they're going to interact with him. For some reason, they go back to their old occupation. They go back to their old occupation. It was like, pardon the pun, okay? But it was a safety net for them. It was something that they were familiar with. And they went on with business as usual. But this is not what Jesus's resurrection was calling them to do or calling them to be. After Jesus's resurrection, he invites us to make everything new, okay? Jesus's resurrection 
makes everything new. As a result of Jesus' resurrection, he makes everything new. Now, um, one of the things that uh, I'm realizing more and more um, uh, is that, like, I'm actually very privileged, okay? And I'm realizing this more and more because, like, I grew up and when I was a little kid in a neighborhood of L.A. called Echo Park. And I was, it was, you know, I was really poor growing up. And then in high school, uh, our family, like, upgraded to the suburbs. Uh, it was called Diamond Bar. It's, like, 30 miles east of downtown LA and it was like such a big culture shock for me and now I realize like I could buy whatever I want right I you know I I live pretty comfortably you know um and I'm, I'm very privileged and one of the ways that I know that I'm privileged is like the things that people do for survival I do for fun uh so one of the examples is like camping okay it's really funny that like a lot of people like to camp for fun, but you know, a lot of people who are like without permanent housing, they like camp every day, right? And that's like their livelihood, right? And one of the other things, so like what we do for fun, what privileged people do for fun, like uh, other people do for like survival. Another thing is like fishing, fishing. Like back then fishing was like their livelihood. It was, for, it was like how they survived, right? And the number of fish, like, uh, and this, how successful they are in fishing is like how well, they, well do, they'll do in life. For a lot of privileged people, fishing was, uh, is a hobby, right? It's just for fun. It doesn't matter if you catch like one or 10 or nothing. And for the disciples, they didn't fish for fun. Okay, they didn't go back to this previous occupation because they're like, oh, I really miss those days. <laughs> so like for them to return to the Sea of Galilee, to their previous life, to do what they used to do, is like them going back to their old ways. Yet Jesus invites us, his resurrection invites us to make everything new. To make everything new. Now, um, the reason why the disciples went back to this familiar practice that they used to do was because it was what they're very comfortable with. And so many times we revert to what makes us comfortable, what we're complacent with, even though we know it might not be what's best for our uh, emotional, mental, or spiritual health, right? Oftentimes, people who are struggling with depression, and I could talk about this because I used to really, really struggle with depression. Um, it's very, very natural and easy and complacent to isolate ourselves. That's what's natural for me. It takes a lot of energy for me to meet up with people and I, because I know they're going to ask me how I'm doing, and it's, it's hard to talk about how I'm doing. And so what's natural for me, what's easy, and what I used to do all the time is just isolate myself. And just because that's what I used to do, and just because that's easier for me, does not mean that's the right thing to do, right? So Jesus' resurrection 
invites me in moments like that to uh, not stay where I was, not go back to where I was and not go back to what I was used to. And in many ways, Jesus's resurrection is an invitation. It's an invitation to restart. It's an invitation to restart. Now, that doesn't mean I'm not going to make the same mistakes that I used to. It, I definitely will make the same mistakes that I used to before. It doesn't mean that, like, um, I'm not going to screw up every once in a while, I, because I will definitely screw up every once in a while. But ultimately, Jesus and Jesus' resurrection invites me again and again and again to restart. Just like when my computer keeps having problems, <laughs> I shut it down and then I restart it, right? But also when I restart it, uh, I'm, it also kind of forces me to look closely at my computer and like kind of remove all the clutter. All right, I don't know if, do you guys know what I'm talking about? Like, like, like you're like, oh my God, I haven't like, um, I forgot, I don't even, I forgot what it's called. Defragment, okay? I haven't defragmented my hard drive in a long time. Do you guys even, do you guys know what I'm talking about? Okay, okay, yes, yes, you're tech savvy, okay? Or like, uh, I, I, should, um, I should clean any apps that I'm not using. I should like clear any like cookies that are like clogging up my, like, uh, my web browser and things like that. Um, it's just, it, it, when I keep having problems like that, like I shut it down and I restart. And that's ultimately what we're supposed to do with our own spirits as well, right? Sometimes we feel like our spirits are just like clogged up Ugh, we got to just shut ourselves down for a little bit, whatever that looks like for you, and restart. And when we restart, we re-examine, we deconstruct, and we observe the areas that are not serving us anymore. Now, what's, <laughs> there's so many interesting things happening in this passage. Um, one of the things is that, like, like Jesus is at the shore, right? And the, some of the disciples, they're already like on the boat. They must have been fishing like all night long, okay? Because uh, they were, you know, because Jesus was there very early in the morning. So they must have gone the night before and fishing all night and they caught nothing, right? And so very early in the morning, okay? And so it's like so the sun must have been rising and Jesus is at the shore and there are probably other fishermen like getting ready to go out for work where they're bringing in their hauls uh, for the, from the night. And Jesus is yelling at them <laughs> from the shore to the boat. Have you caught any fish? Can you imagine how embarrassed they must have been? And they're like, who is this guy? They didn't recognize it was Jesus yet, right? They're like, who the? And they're like, uh, no. <laughs> and he tells them, why don't you try the other side of the boat? <laughs> Your net's on the left side, try the right side as if that's gonna make any difference at all, right? Can you just imagine like how like <laughs> condescending this conversation must have felt? They could have easily been like, oh my God, who is this guy? But for whatever reason, uh, okay, let's try the other side of the boat. And it's not like their boat's huge or anything, okay? It's not like this big chasm from one side <laughs> to the other side of the boat. So they're like, okay. And so they go ahead and put it on the, their right side of the boat and they can't believe what's happening there. It's so many fish that they can't even bring it on to the boat. And I love the wordplay here. Um, and 
I don't know if it's on accident or not because uh, you know the New Testament was not originally written in English, right? It was written in Greek. But you see, prior to Jesus's arrival, the disciples were fishing on the wrong side of the boat. And there's this hidden message here. Okay, uh, Jesus shows up and he showed them that all the fish were on the right side of the boat. Jesus was showing them the right way to live. Instead, the disciples were doing what was left. Jesus was showing them the right way to live. Instead, the disciples were doing what was left. When Jesus invites us to restart our lives, when he invites us to restart our spirits, he is actually inviting us to live life to the fullest. Now, it's not going to be easy all the time. Actually, most of the time, restarting our lives, restarting things takes a lot of energy. It's really, really difficult. But when Jesus is inviting us to restart, life of fullness, Jesus actually said himself, he came to give life and life to the full. Now, what's also really interesting about this passage is that, um, let me go back to where it was. Um, in verse 8, the other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about 100 yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. So Jesus already got started without them. Okay? If you read it carefully, he already had fish before they got onto the shore. So, and so many times, one of the big excuses that I hear, um, especially from young people, millennials, uh, is that they don't want to follow Jesus because they don't want to feel like they're missing out on life. But the exact opposite is true. Jesus, they are missing out on life. People are afraid that if they follow Jesus, they have to like stop partying and like stop having fun. Jesus loved parties. Jesus turned water into wine, right? He loved the good party. That's one of the very first miracles in the Gospel of John was the wedding at Cana, okay? He, that's when he turned water into wine, right? And that, that whole interaction is also really funny because, you know, Jesus is just there enjoying the wedding, enjoying the party, right? And uh, his mom comes to him and says, Jesus, they ran out of wine. Can you do something about this? He's like, oh, I'm, happy. I'm just enjoying this party. And she goes, but they run out of wine. It's a wedding. It's a Jewish wedding, okay? We can't have... A wedding without wine? And so that's when he turns water into wine because a wedding has to have wine. <laughs> so Jesus loved the good party, right? And then when Matthew, when uh, his disciple Matthew like became a follower of Jesus Christ, he left his previous occupation of being a tax collector and following Jesus. And he had all this money. He didn't know what to do with it. And so what did Matthew do? He threw a big party and invited everyone in, right? So people think like, oh, if I follow Jesus, I'm going to have to like sacrifice so much. I'm going to have to like give up like my life of fun. It's the exact opposite. Okay. It's the exact opposite. Jesus wants us to live life to the fullest. Okay. And if there are certain rules or certain laws that God is telling us to watch out for, to be careful for, it's really for our own benefit or our neighbor's benefit or society's benefit as a whole. That's why God gives us his laws. Okay, it's for our own benefit 
our neighbor's benefit or society's benefit as a whole. Now, even though Jesus's resurrection invites us to restart, he never forces it upon us because he is love. God is love. And because God is love, he is never going to force his will upon us. And so Jesus's resurrection waits for us to respond. And the way that we see this in today's passage is Jesus is waiting there on the shore. Jesus is waiting there on the shore, waiting for the disciples on the boat to come back to him. Now, you remember this little miracle that he did where Jesus walked on water? You guys remember that? He could have easily just gone to them, right? And there's plenty of other boats on the shore. He could have just also gone on a boat. He's very comfortable on boats, right? Um, he even took naps on boats. He could have got on the boat and then gone to them. Instead, he waits for them to come to where he is. So because God is love, he never forces his will upon us. So Jesus' resurrection waits for us to respond. He invites us, but it is up to us to respond to that invitation. Throughout Jesus' entire ministry, Jesus went to where his followers were. Jesus first called uh, Andrew, Peter, James, and John when they were fishing at the Sea of Galilee. He went to their place of work. Um, Jesus went to other disciples in their hometown. And now Jesus wanted the disciples to come to him. This is what the resurrection meant for his followers. Before his resurrection, Jesus went to wherever they were. And then after Jesus' resurrection, he is waiting for all of us to respond to him. So um, the reflection question for us today, and it's at the bottom of your bulletin, Jesus is waiting on the shore. Will you follow him? How will you respond? How will you respond? All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for what you did for us on the cross and resurrecting from the dead to give us new life. We thank you so much for inviting us to a new life with you and help us to respond to what you are doing in the world and most importantly, what you're doing in our spirits. Help us to start with ourselves and truly ask ourselves, how will we respond to your invitation? Now, that's going to vary from person to person here. But whatever it may be, whatever you are inviting us to do, help us to respond with honesty, with confidence, and assurance that you are inviting us to live a fuller life. Not one that is lacking, but one that is abundant. And as difficult as it is for me to embrace this right now, um, I believe it. I believe that is what you are inviting me to do. And I believe that you are, that's what you are inviting all of us to do, is to restart. 
restart our spirits. We pray all this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. Have a blessed week, everyone. <laughs>